Hello and welcome to Drawing Heat, a podcast that covers the best book periods in professional wrestling. I am your host, professional wrestling manager and advocate, Prince Arjun, and on today's episode, we'll be covering the July 4th, 2011 episode of Raw in Volume 2 of The Summer of Punk. Before we begin today, I want to let you know that if you write a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you got this podcast, I will read it and give you a shout-out right here on the air. So today is July 4th, 2011, and we are pre-taped a week in advance from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, just like last week. Interestingly, I don't think Cole and Lawler mentioned that we're still in Vegas, probably to avoid shining a light on the fact that the show was pre-taped. On the plus side, that means we won't get a reappearance of the Raw Roulette Wheel. Regardless, we don't open up with a shot of the crowd or Pyro on the ramp. Instead, we open up with a recap of last week's main event. The most notable part of this package is near to the end once they recap Punk's interference, so let's pick it up from there. During this recap, we also see scenes from Punk's career interspersed with clips of Cena alongside Vince McMahon, as well as test patterns before it abruptly cuts off, just like Punk's monologue was cut off last week. Any fear that the WWE would ignore or water down the impact of Punk's promo from last week is basically done away with here. This package is picture perfect, and I'll be sure to upload a clip of it to our Twitter account because the audio alone does not do it justice. Judging from this package, it seems that the WWE knows what it has on its hands. A rebellious anti-hero that hates Vince McMahon and the corporate machine greased by ass-kissing that he represents. And this rebel is willing to do anything to get the WWE Championship without any care about who he has to piss off in order to get it. Gee, I wonder who else in WWE history was like that. We are informed by Michael Cole that Punk was suspended indefinitely after his tirade last week because of that, we need a new number one contender. The anonymous Raw general manager has booked three of the top winners from last week's episode of Raw, Rey Mysterio, Alberto Del Rio, and R-Truth, in a triple threat match to claim that spot. We are also announced that a grudge match between The Miz and his former protege Alex Riley will take place tonight. But your time is up and John Cena's time is now as the WWE Champion's music plays to his typical mixed crowd reaction. The champ is here to say a few words, so let's take a listen. 
There's major unrest in the WWE universe. Apparently, CM Punk said some things that uh, didn't quite mesh too well with the brass at the WWE. So much so that because of CM Punk's recent outburst, the WWE has suspended him indefinitely. What that means is he is also stripped of his right to compete in his last match in his hometown to face me at Money in the Bank for the WWE Championship. The WWE tonight has a remedy. They've thrown together a triple threat match to decide a replacement number one contender. And as for CM Punk, we are just supposed to sweep him under the rug, ignore his accomplishments, his legacy, his outbursts, and pretend that he never existed. Never seen eye to eye with CM Punk. But I have a voice as a champion, and I am weighing in on the WWE's decision, and I say it sucks. CM Punk and I don't agree on everything, especially his concept of loyalty to this brand. What CM Punk is thinking about doing with this WWE Championship is something that I never would. But he has been suspended for speaking his mind. He has been suspended for telling you people how he feels. I know exactly the world we live in. This is a PG show. I know what you can and cannot say. And CM Punk's outburst was at my expense. And I didn't agree with what he had to say, but I found nothing wrong with it. My question to you, the WWE Universe, the people who are supposed to have a voice, the biggest superstars of this program, is where does this stop? Where does the WWE stop? There was an incident not too long ago where Daniel Bryant was fired for being too aggressive. There's been speculation that at certain events, WWE representatives confiscate the signs that you make. And CM Punk has been suspended indefinitely for speaking his mind? If you can't hear that, the audience is chanting First Amendment, which is the freedom of speech. So they take that away, and what's next? Look at me, I'm no fashion icon. I look like the Kool-Aid man in jorts. But what if they say I can't be me? What, am I suspended indefinitely? What, are we gonna tell our audience they have to look and act a certain way? That's not why I signed up for this, and that is certainly not why I defend this each and every night. And Michael Cole, I hate to burst your bubble, but this problem is bigger than uh, emailing back and forth on a little computer, so there'll be no 
anonymous general manager interrupt in my little tirade tonight. Because tonight I want answers, and I want answers from the man that actually made this decision, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. My apologies to the general manager, but I've gone over his or her head. I called Vince McMahon earlier today. He is in his private jet on his way here tonight and promises to be in the building. And trust me, when he gets here, we aren't just going to talk it out backstage so I can get some politically correct answer. I want answers just like you want answers. So Vince, you got some splaining to do right here in this ring tonight. And more importantly, you will hear firsthand from your WWE champion that I want to face CM Punk at Money in the Bank. What a bombshell! One thing to note during this monologue is that the cameras focus on a lot of the audience members who Boo mentions of Punk's suspension. Pulling back the curtain a bit, Cena brings up an incident when Daniel Bryan was fired for choking Justin Roberts and a rumor that had been going around for years that signs were confiscated by security at live events. He goes on to say that while he doesn't agree with what Punk had to say, he saw nothing wrong with it, and he thinks the decision to suspend Punk indefinitely sucks, and from the sounds of the crowd, they agree with him. And that match for the number one contendership? Well, Cena doesn't want it. He wants Punk, and thankfully, he wants to go over the head or screen of the anonymous Raw general manager and talk to Grapefruits himself, Vincent K. McMahon. Say what you want about John Cena but this was an awesome promo. In fact, I would say in 2011, it was probably the best promo since the end of his white rapper gimmick from years prior. While it was much more in kayfabe than Punk's promo last week, Cena pulled back just enough of the curtain to show you that WWE knew what it had started to tap into and wasn't ready to ease back yet. We then cut to see Kelly Kelly and Candice Michelle walking together in the back and hear that... Uh, a Divas tag team match between them and the Bella Twins is up next. Judging by the work rate last week, this is definitely a valley coming down after the peak we started the show with. Come back to the Bella Twins entering the ring and Lawler telling us... You know, I'm not too crazy about Nicky and Free-Centric music. Did you hear what he said? You can look, but you can't touch. Ugh. Eve starts off in control on Brie before she twerks and does a not-so-good-looking standing moonsault but only gets a one when she interrupts it to go after Nikki. Bree takes advantage with an equally bad-looking club from behind before she gently tosses Eve to the outside. Eve tries to get into the ring, but gets her arm worked over by Bree as King drools over the participants of this match on commentary to the joy of absolutely nobody. The Bellows remain in control before Eve manages to get a hot tag after a Russian leg sweep. Kelly Kelly puts, pulls off some okay moves, before she performs a stink face of all things to Nikki. And to make matters worse, the camera catches the fact that Kelly Kelly's butt doesn't actually make contact with Nikki's face. Eve leaves her corner to go to town on Brie, tossing her out of the ring. Back in the ring, Kelly Kelly does a not-so-great-looking fame-asser for the one, two, three. Oof. This would be a hard enough match to watch without the commentary. As it was... The wrestling, which ranged from not-so-great to awful, 
was punctuated with lewd jokes from a 61-year-old man drooling over women young enough to be his daughter. Call me a prude, but... Ugh. Just terrible all around. Maybe we'll have Beth Phoenix and or Natalia come on over to Raw to ease this awful diva's pain, but... I'm not holding my breath. We get a segment on the silent rage of Tough Enough winner Andy, but I'll save your time since despite his eagerness and silent rage, Andy would remain in FCW and never actually enter the ring in the WWE. We then go to the back to R-Truth talking to Flo from the Progressive Insurance Company, and, well, you can take a listen to his conversation with her now. That's what I'm trying to say, Flo. I own a home. I'm a safe driver. I shop online, Flo, and they still wouldn't give me a discount. You see what I'm saying? So you can help me out, Flo? You said, no, Flo, they told me that I was a, a driver at risk, that I was unstable, Flo. You can help me out, Flo. Now, that's what I'm talking about, Flo. That's what's up. Excuse me, Truth. Truth, I just wanted to get your thoughts on tonight's triple threat match and the possibility of you getting another shot at the WWE Championship and John Cena. You know what? I shouldn't be competing against nobody. The way things ended last time I faced Cena, I should be awarded another title match. You see, yet the conspiracy launched against me is trying to find a way to keep me away from the WWE title. You see what I'm saying? But I got some good news and bad news for those who lead the conspiracy. What's that? The good news is I just saved 15% by switching over to Geico with my car insurance. The bad news is the truth is going to hurt someone when I become number one contender. Tonight, someone's going to get got. First little Jimmy, now Senor Jimmy. It ain't fair. It ain't right. Fair? This is not about fair. This is about destino. Destiny. And it is my destiny to win the Triple Threat match tonight and become the new WWE Champion. But... You already know that. <laughs> As you heard there, R-Truth brags about his insurance savings after he insists on having the number one contendership. He then bumps into Alberto Del Rio, and the two jaw jack a bit before we go to commercial. Overall, a typical wacky R-Truth promo that also gets his car insurance commercials mixed up, but whatever. It wasn't anything above average, except for some reason, him calling Alberto Del Rio Senor Jimmy made me chuckle. But now it's time for Santino Marella as he comes out with his partner, Vladimir Kozlov. Their opponents are the tag team champions, the new Nexus, or what's left of them, David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy. And in their seemingly never-ending quest to devalue the tag team championships, WWE doesn't bother changing the champions' music or gear from that of the indefinitely suspended CM Punk. Worse, they point this out on commentary. And that's not counting the fact that they're having a non-title tag team match in the middle of Raw, with zero build-up or fanfare, against a comedy mid-carder and a jobber. Lovely. We start off with Santina and Otunga. Otunga stays in control before Santino is able to recover enough to attempt an early Cobra. 
Otunga uses his Harvard Law-educated smarts, however, to avoid the attack and slip to the outside. The tag is eventually made, and McGillicuddy takes control for a bit before Santino tags in Kozlov. The challengers remain in control with quick tags and double-team moves before McGillicuddy is able to turn the tide and tag Otunga back in. The champs remain in control before an attempted double suplex on Kozlov is reversed when Kozlov instead suplexes both of them in a cool-looking spot. A hot tag is made to Santino, who hits hip tosses on both the champions, a diving headbutt, and then preps the Cobra. Before he can use it on the legal man McGillicuddy, Otunga tries to sneak up on Santino, but gets the Cobra instead. This gives McGillicuddy the opportunity he needs to hit a swinging neckbreaker up for the one, two, three. The champs start to celebrate, but oh, radio! Zack Ryder is here to give the champs a very quick visit. With Otunga! Out here. Woo woo woo. You know it. <laughs> and your point is what? The Long Island I see. I think he maybe just wanted to celebrate the 4th of July. Who knows what goes through his mind? Yes, Long Island Ice Z makes a random appearance in the midst of his rise to internet fame with his YouTube series Z True Long Island Story. I could go on and on about Zack Ryder, but since his appearance here is brief, let's just say I really wish he was featured more than this one tiny random appearance tonight. This was a thoroughly mediocre tag team match, but I have to give it to Santino for his ability to keep the crowd energized despite the lack of storyline or work rate. We go to commercial and come back to The Miz in the back for an interview, so let's take a listen. All right, Miz, you have never beaten your protege, Alex Riley, in one-on-one -on -one competition. What's going to be the difference in tonight's matchup? Are we going to see a different strategy out of you? CM Punk has been suspended. So once again, there's another golden opportunity to become WWE champion. But I wasn't picked to be in the triple threat match for the number one contendership because of Alex Riley. Alex Riley is a nuisance. He set me off course. You know, I could have kicked him to the curb a long time ago. But I gave him a life. I gave him an opportunity, an opportunity he abused. Alex Riley's opportunities end in the WWE tonight. I brought him into Raw and I will take him out. So I hope it was worth it for Alex Riley because it all ends tonight. Because I'm the Miss, and I'm awesome. So this was a pretty typical Miz interview, but I still enjoyed it as much as one can enjoy a Miz interview. We then go to the locker room where Sergeant Slaughter is chatting with Evan Airborne in full Sergeant Slaughter regalia before he's interrupted by another American famous for bragging about being American. So, let's take a listen. Fourth of July, Sarge. We got fireworks, barbecues, and we couldn't be luckier to have you here on Raw tonight. Evan, I'm here because I can't think of a better night and a better place to be to lead all these great people out there in the Pledge of Allegiance, just like yeah. I used to do. Oh, please! Weren't you around when this country gained its independence? 
If anybody should be leading these people in the Pledge of Allegiance, it's Mr. Fourth of July, the all-American, American Jack Swagger. Not some guy who sided with Iraq during the Gulf War. But it's okay. It's okay because you said, I want my country back. Swaggered. Everybody makes mistakes. Evan makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. Look at your parents. They made a mistake when they didn't use birth control. <laughs> Getting kind of cute at the mouth there. Why don't you make a mistake and get in the ring with me tonight? You're on, maggot. Put you in the Cobra Clutch. The all-American, American puke. Oh, he doesn't know what he got himself into, Sarge. Swagger was more fun to watch here than I thought he would be. And I absolutely love the fact that he brought up Sergeant Slaughter's siding with a rock at WrestleMania 7 in his match against Hulk Hogan. By the way, that show took place during the Gulf War in 1991, and if you think that angle sounds like it was in terrible taste and incredibly stupid, then you would be right. And speaking of incredibly stupid, apparently we have a match between Swagger and Slaughter tonight, so there's that. We are shown stock footage of a plane landing, and we are told that the CEO, Vince McMahon, is on board to address the audience but before that, we have our July 4th All-American-American versus other All-American-American match, as we have Swagger versus Sergeant Slaughter start off to loud USA chants. Swagger starts off in control with right hands. At one point, Sarge attempts a Cobra Clutch, but Swagger battles out of it by slamming Sarge into the turnbuckle. Swagger comes back with a big clothesline and a running Vader bomb for the 1-2-3. Afterwards, Swagger applies the ankle lock before Evan Bourne gets in the ring to deliver a jumping roundhouse kick, sending the All-American-American to the outside. Bourne then gives Sergeant Slaughter a microphone, at which point Sarge leads the audience in reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, adding USA to the end of it. All in all, this was a big nothing. It didn't do much but eat up time and get the crowd chanting USA a few times. Big disappointment. Hopefully the next match won't be a disappointment because it's our triple threat match to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship. So it seems that despite the current champion's insistence that Punk should have the position, we are still going with our scheduled match. This is the point where I would normally say I wish our general manager would come out to address this explicitly, but since the general manager of Raw is a magic laptop voiced by Michael Cole, I'm willing to make an exception. Anyway, our participants are Rey Mysterio, Alberto Del Rio, and R-Truth. Del Rio starts with right hands that drop R-Truth to the corner. He turns around into Rey's kick, but Del Rio has a few kicks of his own, and the two trade control back and forth. Del Rio eventually ends up with the upper hand, and also delivers a kick to R-Truth, sending him to the outside. Del Rio attempts to cover on Rey in the ring, but only gets a two. He tries to follow up, but eventually is sent to the outside by Rey. R-Truth, on the other hand, is back in the ring, and the two men attempt to cross body on each other, but R-Truth is just a bit faster, sending the masked luchador onto the canvas. After a pin attempt, R-Truth beats on Rey some more before Rey rolls out of the ring. R-Truth sends Rey and Del Rio into the barricades to remain in control. He rolls Rey into the ring for another failed two-count. 
This continues for a while before R-Truth gets on the apron and delivers an axe handle onto Del Rio before the third man can recover. He gets into the ring, but Ray has regained the energy to battle back. However, Ray only ends up getting a spinning sidewalk slam for his troubles from R-Truth. Del Rio gets back in to deliver kicks on both Truth and Ray before he sends more offense in on Ray. Ray eventually battles back with a Hurricane Rana on Del Rio, only to get tossed into the turnbuckle by R-Truth. Ray is set up for a superplex on the top turnbuckle by Truth, but a fast Del Rio puts Truth in an electric chair. Ray leaps off the turnbuckle with a cross body on Truth, sending all three men to the mat as we go to commercial. We come back from break to see Del Rio delivering a beatdown on Ray while Truth is on the apron. Del Rio stays in control for a while before Ray delivers a drop toe hold that sends Del Rio face first into the corner. Ray attempts to deliver a suplex on R Truth from the apron, but gets a loud leg kick from behind from Del Rio while R Truth battles back. R Truth thanks Del Rio for the assist with a loud right hand across Del Rio's face. In a very cool spot, R Truth then does a sunset flip over both Del Rio and Ray, brings Del Rio down, causing Del Rio to deliver a sunset flip on Ray as well, sending the smaller luchador across the ring. This very cool maneuver only gets a two. R-Truth tries to pin Ray as well, but only gets a two. The three continue with control passing back and forth, before an attempted spear from Del Rio on Truth in the corner sends him to the outside. Truth is sent into the ropes for Ray to hit a 619 and a diving headbutt. The pin attempt, however, is interrupted by Del Rio, who applies a cross arm breaker on Ray for the submission victory. This match definitely dragged a little bit, but overall, a clean win against two top competitors in a solid match on Raw does a lot to elevate Del Rio. Still, the number one contendership remains in question, so we'll see how long Del Rio will be able to stay at the top of the list. We then get a promo for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which includes scenes from the very first Money in the Bank match, won by Edge way back at WrestleMania 21 in 2005. After that, we see a patriotic spread of red, white, and blue in the ring, including a table with a cake that sports an American flag and Happy Birthday Dolph and the United States of America on it. We then get Ziggler coming out with the United States Championship and his manager and advocate, Vicky Guerrero. We're also treated to an ugly joke, a fat joke, and a joke about Vicky's age from Lawler because he's an asshole that is also the face announcer. And for the record, Vicky Guerrero is about 20 years younger than Lawler, so I guess it would make her too old for the man once accused of having an inappropriate relationship with two underage girls. But don't worry, the heel announcer Michael Cole rushes to Vicky's defense by calling her a... cougar. Will you two shut up? Thank you, Homer. Anyway, let's go to Vicky and hear what she has to say on behalf of her client. Don't tell me she's going to sing. I said 
Come on, stand up. Come on. I don't want to stand up to sing. You have to. It's his birthday. To sing happy birthday to Dolph Ziggler. Well, he's the United States champion, and it's our country's birthday, so why not stand up? While Vicky sings happy birthday, she is interrupted by the music of perennial mid-carter and longtime Ziggler nemesis, Kofi Kingston. So let's take a listen to what Kofi has to say. Can we help you? What is all this? I mean, y'all are going to have a party and not invite me? I mean, that's messed up, Dolph. I mean, I guess you could come out talking about yourself all day long, bragging all day. You can come out and have a, a title party celebration, whatever this is. I deserve it, Kofi. The fact of the matter is this. Without Vicky in your corner, you cannot beat me. I got this. I got this. Kofi. You and me, we used to be right here. We used to be toe-to-toe. We tore it up every night. But you know what? You're still here. And I'm on my way here. And I don't know if you know this, but I just left you in the dust. So in case you didn't notice the party celebrations, we're having one. So beat it. Get out of here. So as you heard there, the discussion between the two rivals leads to shoving and fisticuffs that end up sending Vicky sitting right on the cake in the table, and then chest first into said cake before Ziggler leaves the ring to chase down Kofi. The segment ends with Vicky sadly walking down the ramp with her shirt, arms, and butt all covered in red, white, and blue cake. So there is a tradition of heel manager and advocates getting up close and personal with cakes, starting way back in 1984 when... The Rock and Roll Express famously pushed Jim Cornette's face into a cake on an episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Tonight, Vicky didn't get a face full of cake like Cornette did back then, but between her perfect trolling of the crowd, her creepy vibe with Ziggler, and her sad walk of shame with a butt covered in frosting, she did a pretty good job of getting some great crowd heat. As for Ziggler and Kingston, both of these men have had awesome matches and feuds before, and while in 2021 I'm happy to see it again, Back in 2011, it was already starting to wear thin. On the plus side, unlike last week, it was nice for everyone to acknowledge, you know, the US title actually exists. We are notified that coming up next, we have Alex Riley versus The Miz before we go to commercial. We come back to a promo featuring last year's Money in the Bank, which featured Miz winning in a match that was memorable for the shot of the angry Miz girl in the crowd. After Alex Riley comes out, we get a video package for him and take a listen. How long have I wanted to be a WWE superstar? Well, I remember watching it when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, those guys are special. I wanted to be special. You are under a personal services contract to me. You worthless waste of space. You are nothing, nothing. Stupid. Worthless disappointment. Stupid. Waste of space. Take no more of the verbal abuse from the Miz. My name is Alex Riley. You 
thought you beat me, but you only made me stronger. And I'll be damned if you take anything else away from me again. Alex Riley has just beaten The Miz. I've caused a lot of pain, done a lot of things I'm not proud of, but I'm going to prove I deserve respect. I've earned it. This was a great little package to summarize this feud. We start off with Riley and Miz exchanging control before Riley tosses the Miz to the outside. He slams the Miz into the barricade, then tosses him back in the ring. While in the ring, the Miz takes control back with a big kick on Riley as he tries to get back in the ring. Miz delivers kicks and knees to Riley before putting him in a headlock, while Cole loudly and obnoxiously defends the Miz on commentary, while he and Lawler mostly ignore the actual action in the ring itself. Miz stays in control with a DDT and an illegal knee to the throat to Riley. More offense is applied before Miz tells Riley, I made you, I made you, before applying a side Russian leg sweep, but only gets a two as we go to commercial. We come back to see Riley applying a backbreaker to the Miz. An attempted DDT is turned into a back body drop by the Miz, however. When the Miz attempts an inverted DDT, Riley reverses it back into a backslide for the one, two, three. Riley pulls out a win against his former mentor and former WWE champion. The Miz is in total shock as Riley celebrates the victory. This doesn't last long before The Miz takes him down from behind. He delivers a beatdown on his ex-protege that goes on for a bit before The Miz has Riley's head against the steel steps and says the following. I don't think Riley's come on, come better on. than The Miz. Come on, come on, you want to play with me? Oh, oh, I made you! I made you! Nobody else! Miz continues the beatdown before we finally go to commercial. Overall, I have to admit that in the ring, The Miz is actually much better than I remember him being at this time. He plays the heel pretty well, and while the beatdown afterwards went on too long, this match was much better than I had thought it would be. But I also remember one of the main reasons why so many people absolutely could not stand The Miz at this time, and that is Michael Cole. His shrill defense of everything The Miz does on commentary and the ineffectual arguments from Jerry Lawler make you want to hate The Miz for all the wrong reasons. I actually dread the next Miz match just because I'll have to listen to Cole be incredibly obnoxious about him on commentary. We go to a shot outside the arena where we see a stretch limo parked and the chairman, Mr. McMahon, is here to address the crowd after the break. We come back from commercial to see a replay of the opening promo before you have no chance in hell, Vince McMahon comes into the ring with a smile on his face before he gets the mic, and let's take a listen. Not to owe anyone an explanation, but nonetheless, let me tell you why I suspended CM Punk. He deserved it. No, no, really. I mean, it's like when, when CM Punk comes down here and says the things that he says, come on, you would do the same thing that I would if you were in my shoes. It wasn't necessarily his comments about me and my family. I don't have a thin skin. You know, and this is not about my ego. It's about me doing what's right for each and every one of you. That's what, that's what I do. No, he was going to tell you a story, right, about me. Let me tell you a story about him. 
See, the real reason I suspended him is that CM Punk's contract is, in fact, almost over. So Punk says, all right, Vince, this is what I want. He wanted special limousine service. He wanted to fly first class, private transportation. This thing went on. He did, in fact, want to be on all those things that he mentioned before, the magazine, you know, uh, DVDs, all that crap, which he wasn't worthy of being on. That's why he wasn't on them. Now, come on. You guys know better. I suspended CM Punk because he deserved it. And once more, from my standpoint, CM Punk is just that. He is a punk. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week in Boston. But before Vince can see us next week, Vince's time is up, but Cena's time is now. Doing just a perfunctory salute, Cena gets in the ring with a mic for some words of his own. And just a warning, this is a bit long, but trust me, it's worth it. That's it. After an unbelievable tirade like that, a suspension and stripping a man of his number one contendership, you're going to call him a punk and kick him to the curb. No, no, he kicked himself to the curb, John. I didn't do it. No. Vince, he spoke his mind, something you completely endorse. You are so freedom of speech, it's amazing. You will come out here and say anything you want. You'll do anything you want. You believe in the First Amendment, right? I do, and that's why your microphone is still working, pal. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, boss. You see, Vince McMahon, to me, has always been a fighter. I remember a time when Vince McMahon would walk down this ramp each and every week. You know it, doing your, your walk. And whoever stood in your way, you'd stand right in the middle of the ring and say, bring it on, I'm ready to fight. Hell, you took down Turner. Not because you were a coward, because you were a fighter. So CM Punk says a few things that gets under your skin, and then you suspend him. Well, what happened to Vince McMahon, the fighter? Has Vince McMahon finally gone soft? Are those famous Vince McMahon grapefruits now peach pits? If that's the case and you don't want to fight anymore, I came out here to tell you that I still want to fight, and I want to fight CM Punk. And if you don't feel like fighting, maybe you should hang it up, old man. Let me tell you why I really suspended him. I don't want to take a chance on you. I don't want to take a chance at CM Punk. I've been through this before, okay? I don't want to take a chance that he, he defeats you. I know you've beat him before. I know he can beat you, and that's 
the risk I don't want to take. I take calculated risk. That's how I beat. That's how I created and beat everybody that got in my way. I created an empire by taking calculated risk. Therefore, if CM Punk defeats you, he's gonna walk out of here. CM Punk the next day is gonna walk into some other wrestling organization, see what I walked out with. I'm gonna be embarrassed. I will not be embarrassed. And on behalf of each and one of these people here, they don't wanna see that happen either. Oh, 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 look at the, the billionaire chairman of the company afraid about being embarrassed. You should be ashamed yeah, of yourself. I'm afraid of you not beating him. So that's what this is about, huh? Yeah? I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that I'm going to beat CM Punk. But we should have this match. He earned a spot to face me. I'm the champion. I want this match. They want to see it. And, 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 oh, oh, oh. God forbid we embarrass Vince McMahon. As a, as a member of the WWE Universe, Money in the Bank to me is the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Because as a member of the WWE Universe, I'm thinking, can CM Punk pull it off? What if he does? What's the history of the WWE Championship? How will John Cena handle the hostile crowd? Does he have what it takes to overcome CM Punk in his last match? Does the kid who rode on the side of my car in WrestleMania 22 all talk, or is he going to prove that he's got a set and do something crazy? It's not embarrassing, Vince. That sounds like the match of the year in my book, but you won't let it happen, will you? Because some kid said something that you don't like, and now he's suspended. What if I say something you don't like, Vince? What if I say something that really gets under your skin, and you just don't like it? What happens then? You suspend me? Hang on a second. Don't go there, okay? First of all, this is not to be done in public, all right? Don't piss me off, okay? Don't, don't, don't do that. No, 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 your little, your little smile on your face. Don't piss me off, I'm telling you. Don't be Hogan. Don't be all those guys that came before you. No, no. If I'm going to be a man, you want to talk in front of these people, then we'll talk in front of these people. Be a man and talk to me one-on-one -on -one here. You come out here with this crap. I gave a logical explanation. Okay, so what? I don't believe you can beat him, or I don't want to take the chance. It's not a big deal. You don't want to take the chance of being embarrassed when you should do the match and give these people what they want. Listen to them. But once again, your ego gets in the way. You don't want to be embarrassed. You know what? You're embarrassing me now, okay? This whole thing is embarrassing. It really is. And quite frankly, again, I don't give a damn what these people want because I am not. I am not going to jeopardize who I am and my company. This is my company, John, not yours. Don't you get that? Don't you get that this is not your company? Don't you get that before you, there were many others, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, the whole list goes on and on. Don't you get that? It's not your company. It's my company. And I do what's right for the company, and believe it or not, for each and every one of these people. My decisions are good ones.
I get it. It's your company. What? It's your company. I get it. I'm not stupid. But if that's how you want to run it, that's not something I signed up for. I get it. There's been Hogan. There's been Michaels. There's been Austin. Everyone is replaceable. I get it. But I bust my ass for you. I work myself to the bone for you and this brand because I'd like to think that this here stands for something. You're so worried. You're so very worried about CM Punk taking this and making it meaningless. He earned the right to face me. And if you just kick him to the curb, you've already made it meaningless. So with that, Cena throws the title on the canvas along with his mic and turns down towards the ramp. But as you might expect, the chairman isn't about to let the WWE champion leave quietly. Where the hell do you think you're going? You're no different than all the rest, you ingrate. All the rest of them walked out on me. You're walking out on me. I, wait, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I got something. Don't go anywhere. See what kind of man I am. Don't go anywhere. And so Vince takes the title and leaves the ring, walking up the ramp to get right into Cena's face. All right. I hate this has come between us, but it has. CM Punk's reinstated. You've got your match. Get that smile off your face. I'll tell you why you shouldn't be smiling. If CM Punk walks out of Chicago with this championship, I'll walk right down that aisle and look right in your face and say, John Cena, you're fired. Embodying the old adage, be careful what you wish for, Vincent Kennedy McMahon gives Cena the match with Punk at Money in the Bank, but now the WWE Championship isn't the only thing on the line. So is Cena's career. With that, he shoves the title back in John Cena's hands, throws the mic towards the camera, and storms off to the back. We close up on the face of a somewhat distressed-looking John Cena before we end our show. Okay, I really wish I could think of something that could have made that ending segment even better, including having Punk appear, but, you know, I can't. Everything from classic Vince McMahon playing the control freak billionaire and insulting the crowd Attitude Era style, to Cena's mockery of the boss, to his principled stand, giving up the title, to the ending where Vince puts Cena's career on the line in exchange for booking the pay-per-view match, to the YOU'RE FIRED, and literal mic drop at the end was absolutely perfect. What I liked most about this segment was that it centered around the uncertainty of the WWE Championship match. Mr. McMahon is a lot of things, but he's no dummy, and he knows Punk has a very good chance to beat John Cena. 
Something as simple as that telegraphs to the audience that either man could win at Money in the Bank. The entire story so far is built around the consequences of that match. Consequences that don't just affect who holds the title, but would affect the entire company in a very believable way. It's simple storytelling done well, and it's a joy to see. As for the rest of the show, well, let's go to the review. I would give this show a thumbs in the middle trending up, or three stars out of five. An absolutely awful women's match, a completely lackluster tag team match, featuring the tag team champs who were presented as afterthoughts, and a very stupid Patriot vs. Patriot match, featuring Sergeant Slaughter and Jack Swagger, definitely drag it down. Additionally, the triple threat match suffered by having its prize diluted by the end of the show. Not to mention that the pair of Lawler and Cole were on the announce table, and they were so bad that there were a few times I was tempted to mute it just so I couldn't concentrate on the action in the ring and not their terrible commentary. That being said, that triple threat match featured some great in-ring work from all three guys, and the mentor-protege match of The Miz versus Alex Riley also featured some solid in-ring work and a good aftermath, even if it went a little long. What really made the show, however, were the opening and closing segments. I can't emphasize enough just how well they are building up the next pay-per-view's main event. The video package was amazing, Cena was uncharacteristically serious and believable, and any appearance of the full-fledged heel Mr. McMahon is an absolute joy. That, and as mentioned, I couldn't have booked this storyline better thus far. That being said, my least valuable player for tonight is a joint prize for the duo of Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. Even if you take away the absolutely atrocious treatment of the women on commentary, which was sexist trash that wasn't entertaining or funny in any way, shape, or form, Cole and Lawler's terrible banter in lieu of calling action in the ring dragged everything down at several points in the show. The most egregious example of this was during the Miz match where Cole was so annoying in his cheerleading it covered up just how good of a heel Miz was being. It was, in fact, the exact opposite of what a good color commentator should be doing. On the other hand, the MVP of the night is also a joint prize for the pair of Mr. McMahon and John Cena. Not to rehash it, but it's safe to say that without these two, this show would have just be another mostly average Raw, but instead it helped continue what has been a perfectly crafted angle so far. And that's it for this episode of Drawing Heat. I am, as always, professional wrestling manager and advocate, Prince Arjun. Be sure to leave me a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at DrawingHeatPod, and I will see you next time. If CM Punk walks out of Chicago with this championship, I'll walk right down that aisle and look right in your face and say, John Cena, you're fired!